worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Would you attend a university that openly admits that some of their dorms are haunted by a dead child? They they, they put it in their brochure. They talk about it a lot. It's kind of weird. And then we travel to Algeria to attend a wedding of a young couple. When the soon-to-be bride is sobbing all day long, her father thinks that it's just wedding day jitters. Little does he know that she's been possessed by a demon. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are staying warm. Because I'm not. I'm actually in the haunted closet recording this episode wearing thermals, a jacket, and a little fuzzy hat. It's so cold. This episode will last exactly as long as I can stay warm. But someone who's always warm, warm hearted at least, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now, let's give it up for one of our Christmas live stream contributors. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Vexine. Woohoo! Yeah, walk on in, walk on into Dead Rabbit Command Vexine. Really, really appreciate all your support. The Christmas live stream was awesome yesterday. I had so much fun hanging out with you guys. Vexine, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, I totally understand. I really do. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Also, had a ton of fun with yesterday's Christmas live stream. That was really fun. I love hanging out with you guys. And if you guys aren't aware, I did drop the full audio tracks for the intro and outro music, Atlantis Attacks and Bella Royale. You guys have been asking for them for, for about four years. And if you go to deadrabbitradio.lipson.com, you can actually download the tracks onto your hard drive. But they're up on YouTube. You can listen through your podcast app, but you can download them if you go. They're totally free. Uh, you can go to deadrabbitradio.lipson.com to download them to your hard drive. But a lot of fun. Uh, we're coming up to episode 1000. Don't know if I'm going to do anything special. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Probably just be another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. But to me, that is special because I love this show. Vexine, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirgible. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Fly us all the way out to good old California. California, the land of surf and sun and not 17 degrees weather and ice storms, which is what's happening where I'm at. We're in California. Specifically, we're headed down to San Rafael. We're going to visit the Dominican University of California. This is really interesting. I, I, a lot of times I peruse the website, theshadowlands.net. It's just a repository of ghost stories. It's how I spend my Saturday mornings, honestly, reading the news and then hopping over there, hopping over to thinkaboutadocs.com, trying to find good material for you guys. And I came across this story very brief. Like most of the stuff on the Shadowlands.net, it's generally just a couple sentences. 
In San Rafael, there's the Dominican University. And at that school, there is a ghost known as the Blue Boy who supposedly drowned in a bathtub. It goes on to say, Some students say they have seen wet footprints near the site of the haunting. So pretty generic. Pretty generic. Describe. It does describe life after death. It does describe a haunting vision of what awaits us all. But uh, other than that, it's on a ghost website, right? So, you know, you see a lot of that stuff. If you saw that appear in the New York Times, you'd be like, wait, what? What? But as far as on a ghost website, now here's this really caught my eye because I read tons of ghost stuff all the time. This caught my eye because I myself have seen a blue boy ghost. And it was hands down one of the most terrifying paranormal experiences I've ever had. I've talked about it before on the show, so I'm not going to go into a ton of detail about it. I'm going to put the episode in the show notes. But just for context, like I've seen what I can only describe as demons and demonically possessed people. I've seen shadow men. I've seen these huge... Black, two-dimensional dogs walking down the street. These are all in previous episodes. I'll put those episodes in the show notes as well. You're like, what? This is my first episode, dude. This, what, are you like a huge meth head? Uh, no, I'm not that, but I've seen, I've seen things that meth heads see. I've seen all sorts of crazy things in my life. But the blue boy was the scariest of them all. I remember I was driving through Orangevale, California. That's where I used to live. I used to go ghost hunting all the time. Gas was 98 cents a gallon. Oh, man, it was beautiful. Drive around. Me and my buddies, we'd drive around. We'd go to haunted places. But anyways, one I was doing this one by myself. I was driving down this road in Orangevale. I, I don't remember the exact name of the road. I could find it on a map, but I'm not gonna because it's too cold and I don't want to spend time looking it up on Google Earth. It's in the Orangevale area. It's pretty small. It's a couple streets past Hazel. It's going down this residential neighborhood. And I was all by myself. It's probably like 2, 3 in the morning. And I see... All of a sudden, it was in front of my car. Like, I want to say it stepped in front of my car, but that wasn't the case. All all of a sudden, something was in front of my car. And it was about... I'm really bad with kids' ages, but... I'd say the kid was maybe like between 7 and 9. I see a boy, a blue boy, standing in the middle of the road. And it was very interesting. I mean, that's interesting in and of itself, right? This is the problem when you get jaded, when you're researching paranormal stuff all the time. You're like, hmm, on a scale of 1 to 10, that's a 5. A phantom of a child standing in the road. It was more interesting than that. I saw him. He was dressed in clothes, right? He wasn't wearing caveman clothes. He wasn't necessarily wearing pioneer clothes. I would... If I had to guess the time period of the clothes, I'd say somewhere between the 60s and the 90s. He's wearing like a shirt and jeans and stuff like that. Pants, maybe slacks. I, the, here's the thing. I wasn't too interested in what he was wearing. I'm driving down the road and all of a sudden I'm, I'm just trying to, like, trying to classify it in some way. I'm like, what? Those shoes don't fit you, young man. I'm driving down the road and all of a sudden this boy is standing in front of my car and I hit it. I hit this boy. And what happens is he basically passes through my car, as you would imagine a ghost to do. I'm driving, and this blue boy is now standing in the middle of this road. 
And let me finish describing him. I'm kind of getting off track. I guess I am going to spend more time talking about this than I thought. It's a hard, it's hard to tell a short version of the story when you ran over a ghost because it's, it's more than that. I'm driving down the road, and this boy, he's blue. His skin is blue. His clothes are blue, but there's also like this blue glow attached to him. Like it's almost like there are shades of blue that make up his clothes and his face and his hair is bluish. Like you could tell that at one point when he was alive, it's probably black hair or dark brown hair. But now has a bluish tint. And around him, it's like someone took an exacto knife and cut out reality around him. There's like this blue, a lighter blue kind of outline around him, like this glow. Super interesting. You, it's like seeing, it would be like someone just etched it out and what you're seeing behind him is like a bright blue shining through. He's glowing blue, he's blue. I hit him with my car and I remember I'm driving and it just happened so quickly. Let me snap my fingers better than that. Happened like that. And I drive through him and I look in my rear view mirror and now he's sitting in my back seat. And I freaked out. I kept driving. It was it, it happened so instantly, but I remember it kind of taking my breath away a bit. I see him in my backseat. <laughs> then he disappeared. It wasn't like I didn't let him drive to my grandma's house. And I was like, well, welcome home. And he's still sitting back there. And he's like, no, I want to go to Dairy Queen first. I was like, ah. Like, I hit him. He appears in the back in the rearview mirror. And then he's gone. And I drive home. And I think it was the next day or a day later. I mean, that obviously terrified me. But I go back home. I think it was the day or two later. I don't recall. This ha- This story would have happened back like in the late 90s. I drove back out to that area to kind of get an idea of what it looked like during the day. And there was a creek. And I thought, so all, all of this, and this is, you know, this could be true or it could be part of the imagination process. Because you don't know. With paranormal research, you just don't know. I got the feeling that he had drowned in that area. Now, it would be kind of hard for a nine-year-old to drown in a creek. Not impossible. <laughs> Don't test it. Don't be like, Jason, I, out of five nine-year-olds I kidnapped, three of them drowned. So, yes, you are right. Don't test it. It wasn't like a tiny creek. It wasn't a raging river. But I just had the idea that this kid died in this creek. I don't know. Maybe he got hit by a car and fell in the water. He's unconscious and he drowned. I don't know. <laughs> it's, just, it's disturbing either way. But anyways. And that little jerk, that little blue boy haunted me for a long time. Like, I would see him around me. I was terrified of him. It was a malicious spirit. It was definitely not something you'd want to hang around. I remember I worked at Godfather's Pizza back in the day. It got so bad. I worked at Godfather's Pizza back in the day. And I was talking to my friend Jackie, and I think Josh was there, and then our boss, uh, Jeff, maybe was his name, I don't remember. Jerry? Anyways, we're sitting there, we're talking at Godfather's Pizza, and I see the little boy, little blue boy, wasn't a customer, wasn't just any nine-year-old, I was freaking out, I was like, no! I see him run, it was the weirdest thing, the way paranormal activity happens. They're not, they're not tied down to our... Physical laws. I see him basically... Uh, there's There was a little hallway back where the bathrooms were. I see him right there. We're probably a good, like, maybe 10, 15 feet away from this hallway that leads to the bathrooms. I see him kind of standing 
at the entrance of that hallway, and then in a heartbeat, he was right in front of me. Like, my mind perceived him running, but the time, he just instantly was in front of me. I'm standing there with friends and my boss, and all of a sudden, I scream. I go, ah! They saw a ghost right at me. It was like 8 p.m. It wasn't even that late. I was terrified. I was like, this is the type of spirit that can like ruin your life. This is the type of thing where you're like trying to <laughs> trying to deliver pizzas and he's like tripping you. You're like, oh, well, even he doesn't even have to trip you. He doesn't have to tie your shoelaces together. He just, <laughs> just appear in front of you. You're carrying pizzas and he's like, boo, you're going to throw your pizzas. And that's that's just pizza related. Imagine if you were applying for another job because you got fired, you kept dropping pizzas. You're in an interview for a job and the blue boy's standing behind the boss. And he's like, nah, nah, don't hire this guy. (laughs) Like, what? Come on, man, give me a chance. Let me get a job here. He's like, no, don't hire him. And the boss boss will be like, who are you talking to? I will give you a chance. Why do you keep looking over my shoulder? Why have you peed your pants three times in a 15-minute interview? I was like, oh, the ghost. This ghost could really mess with you. If he's making you scream in public, a grown man, scream in public, what else could he have done? Eventually, I stopped seeing the blue boy. I really should look up. I'm going to find that street because I will have to be in the cold here for a second because it's not fair. Let me see if I can pull it up here real quick because it's not fair to tell a story like that and go, oh, I don't remember where it took place. Let's see. Let me find my grandma's house, and then I'm going to kind of goof off. So I think it was, I can give you like a street or two. I know there's a lot of people in Sacramento who listen to this podcast. It's funny. My grandma's house looks great. The people who took it over is really good. It, I think, okay, so there's, it was one of three streets. I can put it on that. It was Filbert, Chestnut, or or Walnut. But anyways, yeah, if you're out in that area, you can drive. I mean, it's such a rural, it's a, such a rural place. I'm pronouncing the word rural. I'm saying rural like country, if you guys can't understand. And everyone's like, of course we can understand. Chestnut or walnut. And you would be able to identify it. You just drive down and on the right-hand side, you'll see a creek. Like, And it, when I say a creek, it wasn't just like a little, a little stream of water. There, there was a bridge. There was like a straight up like blacktop bridge with a metal railing built around it. It was it was enough of a creek that you're you know, you had to build a structure over it. It wasn't just like some kid in cut off jeans catching crawdads type of creek. Anyways, so yeah, I I don't think it was Maine. A hundred percent don't think it was Maine. But if you live in that area, go ahead and drive on through. <laughs> Knock on every door and go, Do you know about a kid who died here? And uh get arrested. <laughs> get arrested Trying to find my ghost is creepy. So let's get back to this ghost story, though. When I read about that, I go, oh, the blue boy drowned in the bathtub. I was like, dude, that reminds me of my blue boy. And when you are a paranormal researcher, you want to find patterns. Because then it does start to build. You can start to kind of really investigate it as a phenomenon rather than a one-off event. If only one cow was ever found mutilated, it you would just be like, well, this is weird. The reason why cattle mutilations is a topic in the that's mostly in the UFO community or the conspiracy theory community is because we can look at these patterns and we can go, okay, it's not just one cow. It's been thousands of cows over the course of around 120 years. Cattle mutilations have been going on 
since almost the turn of the century. Um, what could be causing this? So now we have a phenomenon. We have a bunch of them. But anyways, the blue boy phenomenon. I was like, okay. And the, and you wouldn't make sense when you drown. You, they say you turn blue. You t- I had to actually look up a couple photos of drowning victims or drowned victims. As I was getting ready for this segment, it wasn't the best part of my research. When you have any sort of oxygen deprivation, you can turn blue. You know, your lips can turn blue. It's It's part of... What's happening when you're dying? They don't necessarily look blue. They look more more purple when you see a dead body that's uh, drowned. But it can take a bluish appearance. So we have two basic. Now we have a phenomenon, right? We have two blue boys. But let's take a look at this one. So this is so what's so interesting about this story? We have this little paragraph in the Shadowlands.net, and I'll tell you right now, most of the stuff I find on the Shadowlands.net that I want to cover, a lot of it's just basic ghost stuff. Weird stuff that I want to cover, a lot of times I will then try to dig in more. I just don't want to read a paragraph to you and move on. I've had to do that because I haven't been able to find anything else sometimes. I'll find a really cool ghost story and I'll say this is the only thing I can find. But let's talk about it. That's that, that happens all the time. Well, this was one that I expected the same thing. I was just like... Let's talk about this blue boy. It's a phenomenon now because I've had this a similar experience. I was able to find so much information about this ghost. And what's even weirder is the information comes from the university. The, in the information, most of the information we get is from a Dominican university, which is a Catholic college in San Rafael, California. So apparently part of the college is a place called Meadowlands Hall. It's this 30,000 square foot mansion that used to be owned by the De Young family, which was a wealthy family back in the 1800s. And this mansion was built in 1888. The college was founded in 1901, and pretty much next door, and then eventually they purchased the Meadowlands Mansion in 1918. It became part of the college. They didn't just get the mansion. They also got a ghost attached to it. And most of this information I found on Dominican University's like walking tour site, on their alumni site. They really, really like telling this ghost story. It's so funny because so many other colleges, so many other private and public institutions are like, yeah, we don't really believe in ghosts. <laughs> These people, they're like, dude, you want to hear something spooky? Let's put this on our main website. The story goes like this. Uh, back in the 1800s, the de Young family had a son with some mental health issues. And it's, it's the 1880s. What are you going to do, right? Feed him some mercury and hope he gets better. They didn't have a lot of treatments for people with mental illnesses back then. So, according to the Dominican University's website, what the Young family did was keep him in the house all the time. Because he would be an embarrassment if it got out to this kid, how crazy he was. Now, they don't say what he had. We don't know if he was just a little rambunctious, like a Dennis the Menace type character. Or, you know, if he was like a wrong-turn hillbilly, crawling on all fours and barking. We don't know. Somewhere in between Dennis the Menace and inbred mutated freak. This child existed. So this little boy, we don't have a name for him. This little boy locked in his house all the time. It's a mansion, though. If you're going to be trapped anywhere, you might as well be trapped in a 30,000 square foot mansion. It's not really a prison at that point. Well, one day, 
the family was out doing something <laughs> that that would be a prison, right? Your family's like, let's go have a picnic. And the crazy kid's like, me too, me too. And they're like, wrong turn. Why don't you stay in the house? We, we will go outside. You stay here because uh, it's dangerous outside. What? Yeah, it's dangerous outside. Um, it's not, we're brave. We're brave enough to handle the danger, but not you, not you, WT. Aww. So then he's scuttling around the mansion. Well, apparently you can't leave like a crazy kid running around the mansion all by himself. When they, when the family goes to come back in, it's a home alone situation. He's throwing anvils at them. So there's a nanny who takes care of this little kid. So on this particular occasion, while the entire family had left to go have fun without this little boy, the nanny was giving him a bath, and she just snapped. Like, whatever this kid was up to, it was just too much. This particular day, the nanny's like, I can't take it, I can't take it. So she drowned this boy. She held him under the water until he stopped breathing. <laughs> You're like, yeah, Jason, I don't know what drowned means. I totally know what drowned means. Anyway, she kills this kid. She immediately feels bad about it, which I imagine you would. Like, especially if it's in a situation like that where you just snapped. You'd been down too many wrong turns too many times. And you snap and you drown this kid and she immediately felt bad about it. So then she hung herself. Which I imagine for the family coming back home. They're like, what a delightful picnic. God, we should have brought that mutated freak along. Well, maybe next time, honey. And then they walk in the door and they find a drowned boy and a hanging nanny. Now, I don't know. You're like, Jason, you were laughing a lot. Well, this kid, kid being drowned. I don't know if this story is true. It is posted on... The Dominican University's website. I They do use a lot of times words like legends say or the old stories would have it. But it's possible it's possible that this kid actually was murdered. And in that case, I shouldn't have laughed, been laughing so much. Anyways, this boy's dead. The nanny's dead. And to this day, people still see the blue boy. Because the mansion was turned into a dormitory. I mean, that's awesome, right? Imagine if you're living in a mansion. You're like, I feel like a wrong turn mutant. Oh, man, this is so awesome in here. They're like, what? What are you talking about? And they're like, legends say. They start telling you the story. No, they have it as a dormitory. I guess at one point it was also like an assembly area. I'm sure it's kind of gone back and forth. I don't know what it is used as today. Either way, dormitory or assembly area, people have seen sightings of the blue boy ghost. And some of these are pretty benign. Like, I mean, this is terrifying. Don't get me wrong. You'd have a heart attack if you saw this. But people say when they're walking down the hallway or they're in their room and there's like a corner, like the it's kind of darkened, lights are off. You walk into your room and they said around the corner, you would see a bluish glow. So you wouldn't directly see the boy, but you would see him standing behind the corner like you would know he's there because in the darkness you would see this bluish glow right behind the corner so i mean that's terrifying this ghost definitely knows what to do to make it scary if you walked into a room well actually both of these are quite terrifying if you walked into a room and you saw a blue boy standing there i guess that i guess that's actually more scary than not seeing it but he's standing around the corner yeah, I mean, imagine if you walked in and you go, I think there's a skeleton behind that corner versus walking in and there's a skeleton dancing on your bed. You'd be like, okay, I'm not sleeping in my bed tonight. 
He stands behind the corner. Also, people have remarked that their bathrooms will get locked while they're not in them. And that sucks, right? You really got to go to the bathroom. Super inconvenient, right? Because you only think about going into the bathroom when you need to be in the bathroom. You got to pee or poop or put on makeup, I guess, maybe. Or do all three at the same time. But bathrooms generally not a place you go just out of a whim. So getting locked out of it would suck. But again, that's not like... There's worse things that could happen. A skeleton dancing on your bed. Also, though... Like, the main story is they'll say you'll see wet footprints around the area. That's creepy. We're talking about a manifestation. We're talking about it leaving physical evidence, which is rare for ghosts to be able to do that. But wet footprints around the area. But all of that stuff is... It's terrifying, but it doesn't even compare to the power level that a ghost would need to have to do this next one. And this next one, I believe I found on the alumni website, the alumni Facebook page. The bathtub that he was drowned in, they kept it. I don't think anyone else took a bath in it. They're like, oh, it's your bath time, little Billy. They're like, no, 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 my brother was just drowned in that. I'm sure they got a new bathtub. I'm sure they got a new bathtub at some point, but they kept the old bathtub because this was old timeies. I'm sure that bathtub was super expensive. It probably cost like $20 in old money. So they kept the bathtub, but they took it up to the attic, <laughs> which I'm sure which probably wasn't easy carrying this big old 18th century bathtub up, up the stairs. <laughs> I would have paid money to watch that. They take the bathtub upstairs and they turn it over. So the bathtub is still stored in the attic and it's flipped over. But even with that, sometimes you'll go up into the attic and you will see water pouring out of the bathtub. So it's like somehow, it's not hooked up to anything. The water is still pouring out from somewhere. And because the bathtub's flipped over, it's just spilling all over the floor. Or ceiling, really, because it's in your attic. It's your ceiling if you're walking around downstairs. You know, like above your head, it'd be a little, well, you'd get a ton of water damage, which would be the least of your worries because there's a dead boy. There's a dead boy floating around. I, the amount, I mean, that takes, we have ghosts that turn on water faucets. That's super common. And a long time ago, I found that website that said the reason why ghosts are always turning on water faucets is because being dead makes you thirsty. Which is a creepy idea. Super creepy. I would hope that being dead is like the most comfortable thing in the world. Not that you're like, oh, I'm parched and I'll be parched for a million years. The other idea is the reason why ghosts turn on the water fountains is because they can transmit their energy easier through water. We do see a lot of cultures combine water and running water with the paranormal. And that the more, the bigger body of water or the more flow that water has, the more violent the spirit can become. The paranormal, ghosts in particular, and water have a very, very close connection. So the idea is they're turning on the water. It's basically allowing, it's giving them more energy to pull off of. The other thing, the skeptical answer is just the water's faulty, and that's something that can easily turn on. That's some water and like because a lot of times water and lights are being affected by ghosts, and they go, those are two things that can are pretty easy to just over time not work correctly. 
your lights turning on and off is just bad wiring. And your water turning on and off is just pipes. It's an issue with pipes. The, the handle isn't turning itself. It's just the mechanisms are starting to get bad. And the same thing we would call a leaky faucet. Over time, it will just leak and leak more. So those are the three options. But when you have a bathtub that's not hooked up to anything, and it's interesting that it's turned over. I can understand the logical reason why you would turn a bathtub over so a bunch of raccoons don't make a house in there. But I'm wondering if originally the bathtub was upright in the attic and it kept filling full of water. So to prevent that, they go, well, let's just tip it over. I mean, this this thing's obviously haunted. Let's tip it over. And the problem is, is it's still filling up with water. The water now is just instantly spilling all over the floor. Now, it's possible that Dominican University, they love these ghost stories because they're fun and whimsical. I mean, they're not super whimsical. It involves a child being murdered and then suicide. But it's possible that they don't. Well, I was going to say it's possible that they're playing these stories up for, you know, spookiness sake. But it's interesting because most of these places downplay the stories. Sometimes during Halloween, they'll have a ghost tour at this university or this hotel or something like that. But we've come across a ton of institutions, whether they're cities like what's that one in um, Connecticut? It's a weird it's like dark forest. Um, it's a place called like Dark Forest or something like that. I'll put the episode in the show notes, but, or Stoll Cemetery in uh, Kansas, they will actually have police arrest you if you're out ghost hunting in these areas. They have signs of saying, there are no ghosts, stay away, or, or you'll get arrested. Like some of these places have really, really strict trespassing laws. Some of these institutions, they go, there are no ghosts, and Dominican University seems to be playing it up, which... Makes me think they're having a laugh or they do believe in it. Maybe they've seen, maybe the dean's like, you know, I've seen the blue boy a hundred times. We're putting it on the website. I'm tired of people saying that it's not real. It's real. And maybe if we put it on the website, people will believe me. A fascinating and terrifying story indeed. That went a little bit longer than I thought, but I think we have time for this vaccine let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the world famous carpenter copter we are leaving behind san rafael wave goodbye to that blue boy he's not following us under any circumstances fly us all the way out to algeria and i want to give a shout out to bajun bajun patreon supporter very active in the patreon discord sent me over this story it's absolutely fascinating and this story was posted on Twitter by someone going by the name STW and then some sort of pink bird um, at Madrid guy. Or no, that's not his name. At Madri guy. At Madri guy. We're going to Bled, Algeria. And we're going to attend a wedding. You, you wore your formal wear, right? I always wear my formal wear when I'm hunting ghosts. We're walking around, <laughs> little blue boy, he's the ring bearer. We're like, get out of here, we told you you can't follow us. We're in Bled, Algeria, and we're about to meet this young woman. She's in her 20s. We don't have anyone's name. Apparently, the person who posted this, this was his cousin, I believe. Yeah, cousin. So he is directly related to the participants in the story, but he didn't give any names. Let's go ahead and call her Sarah. So Sarah is this young woman, she's in her 20s, and she's about to get married. To a wonderful man. 
She loves this guy. She can't wait to start her new life with him. But it's the day of the wedding and Sarah is crying. (laughs) And, you know, her dad's watching this and he's like, oh, my poor little girl, my poor little girl's crying. But... You know, wedding day jitters is what he figures. She's just crying because she's about to start a new life. She's going to say goodbye to her family. This is natural. After the ceremony, it's time for Sarah to join her new husband at his house. But she becomes incredibly ill. She says, I don't want to see anybody. I want to be left alone. Oh, Sarah, you got to go to this house. You, you've married this guy. It's time to go home with him. No, I don't want to be around anybody. I don't want to go to that house. I just want to be left alone. That would be odd enough. It's uh, quite the personality change. But she also begins to talk to herself. And not just talk to herself, which again is alarming. But she's saying... Crazy things. Now, the pink bird guy doesn't tell us exactly what the crazy things are. Like, is it... Two teapots are standing on my head. That type of stuff. Like, lyrics from They Might Be Giants. Or... Is she, like, saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut myself open. I'm gonna bleed dogs. I'm, I'm gonna turn the town bled Algeria into what its name is. They're like, no, Jason, you're clearly mispronouncing the name of that town. There's not a place in the world called bled. Anyways, we don't know what crazy things she is saying, but some time is passing, and she's still just muttering to herself. She hasn't gone to the dude's house. She's still staying at her old home, apparently, with her parents. They start to realize that something's really wrong with Sarah. They start to believe that she might be possessed. Or maybe not if outright possessed under the influence of darker forces. So they consulted a mom. They bring him in and they go, hey, something's up with our daughter. She's acting super weird. And... He talks to her, he's doing this investigation, and he does come to the conclusion that, yes, there is a dark spirit attached to her. So what they do is what's called a rakia, or it's a counterspell, is one way to put it. It's also, it would be, the equivalent would be an Islamic version of an exorcism. They do a rakia, and this is so fascinating. This story is so weird. I love stories like this. Bajun, thank you so much for sending this over. I love stuff like this. What she has attached to her... So, in in the English language, we have the demon, which is a fallen angel, someone who was cast down by God during the war, the rebellious war of Satan and one-third of the angels against God. Those angels and Satan were sent to Earth, and that is what we call a demon, In the Islamic tradition, there's a thing called the jinn. And it's not a direct correlation between the two. The jinn have some differences that Christian demons do not. And this is a big one. This is a big one. Apparently, in the Islamic tradition, the jinn can choose to follow a particular religious faith. 
was fascinating. We covered something that a long time ago, we covered a story where I think it was the Prophet Muhammad was confronted by these jinn and he converted them by speaking the words from Allah. He converted them to Islam. And these jinn then became Islamic and they were saved. The, in the Christian tradition, that, that's impossible. The demons have committed the unforgivable act of rebelling against God. And while they do have free will in a sense because they chose to fight in that way, they're pretty much the bad guys. They're the henchmen, background characters in this whole saga between God and Lucifer and Jesus and all that stuff. There, I've never come across any stories in the Christian faith of demons. And I've wondered about that. I think we did an episode on that. Could a demon accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and then go to heaven? And I've asked. I've asked ministers. <laughs> I ask the weirdest questions to people all the time. Is that possible? Well, in the Islamic tradition, it's not a theory that we actually have versions of that. So the jinn. Now, in Algeria, they're known as... A nouns or janoun, one of the two. It's spelled J N O U N. It's the same thing as a jinn. I don't know if the J is silent, but anyways, I probably could have checked that. I probably could have. But June said, "Hey, do you need any help translating this?" I'm like, "Nope." <laughs> I probably did. I probably did. I was like, "I'll just use the translator, uh, Google Translator. It'll, it'll be good." Anyways, uh, the, there's a different version, the same different name for them in Algeria in. Typically, they're known as jinns. In Algeria, they're known as jinnouns or nouns. Anyways, what's fascinating about this is that this spirit, I'll just use the word jinn because I know how to pronounce it. This jinn that is attached to Sarah is, is Jewish. It's a Jewish jinn. It's a Jewish jinn. It's a Jewish demon. It's not a demon from Jewish theology. It's a jinn who follows the religion of Judaism. And it has attached itself to this young girl, Sarah. Fascinating. We're not even done. We're not even done. We're not even done. Anyways, this imam says, okay, listen, this Jewish jinn has attached itself to Sarah. We're going to do this rakia. He probably pronounced it correctly. I'm almost certain he pronounced it correctly. We're going to get rid of it. And they do. And she actually starts to feel better. But he goes, listen. He goes, the way that this works is that somewhere there is a bewitched item. Someone is cur like someone set out to put this on her. And we have to find the bewitched, the cursed item and destroy it. To completely get rid of this. The djinn could come back to get her. Through investigation, the imam says the item is... A cake. He's all, he's all, I will eat all the cakes. I'll find out where the curse is. They're like, oh, we shouldn't have gotten the hungry imam to show up. He says the curse is hidden in a cake. And apparently there are these little, again, probably translation errors, the cupcake type things, the bridal party. We're going to have these cakes called macrodus, macrods. Anyways, it's these tiny, there's 300, there's 300 of them, that's the point. It's not like there's just one wedding cake and you're like, okay guys, everyone grab a fork, let's find this curse. There's 300 cakes and one of them is cursed. One of them has to be destroyed. And the reason why you know it's cursed because inside it's wet. 
It's moist and wet on the inside, and these cakes shouldn't be like that. So the people, the people, the family of the bridal party begins to crush these cakes. They're trying to find the wet one. And they don't. They go through all of them, and none of them are wet. So the the girl's doing a little bit better. I mean, I'm sure that is a relief when there's a demon no longer attached to you. But again, it might come back. Well, you also got to do all your regular stuff. You can't be like, oh, I'm not coming into work today. Uh, boss, my daughter got possessed by a Jewish demon. So, you know, and they're like, Johnny, Johnny, you've used that excuse three times this week. When is the demon leaving your daughter? You got to get back to work. You have to go and do the normal stuff. Well, the mom... The mom of the bride, she had borrowed stuff from people for the wedding, right? You're not going to go out and buy a plate that you're only going to use once. She actually had borrowed a plate from a neighbor, and she had to go return it to the neighbor. And she goes, this is so weird. She goes, I need to give this plate back to my neighbor, but I, I don't want to bring it back empty. Because she let me borrow it. I want to give her something. How about... <laughs> How about these cakes? How about these undestroyed cakes that for some reason we didn't find earlier? I'm going to stack a couple of these cakes up on this plate and go give it to my neighbor. So the mom puts the cakes on the plate and she begins walking down the stairs and she falls. She she hella pales down these stairs. Ah! And she gets to the bottom and she's sitting there and she goes, that shouldn't have happened. Like, 100%. Like, something tripped me. And she immediately begins to go through the cakes on the plate. Now, again, it could be a translation error when they said they destroyed them all earlier. Maybe they were just checking the middle. This time, she's actually breaking the cakes open. And she breaks one of the cakes open, and it's wet and moist in the middle. So that was the cursed cake. And she knew it. When she fell down those stairs, she knew that what she didn't just trip. Not like she didn't know where she was going. Something tripped her. And she broke that cake open right there. And then the daughter started feeling much, much better. Like before, she was on a slow road to recovery. But now she was getting better. What's interesting is that Madri guy says she's not 100%. She still talks to herself. But she's getting better. Which is interesting because you imagine getting possessed by just having something in your body that's not supposed to be there would leave some lingering effects. Like even though the demon got exercised from her, she's still suffering neurological damage. Like she's not communicating with whatever it was, but you would have to imagine it would cause, if not permanent damage, long-term damage. And it's a good thing, right, that they found that cake. If they Had they just thrown the cakes away and not destroyed it? I mean, eventually I'm sure a crow, crow would fly by and eat it at a garbage dump or something like that, but this would have gone on longer and the djinn most likely would have repossessed her. So it's a fascinating story. Cursed. I mean, obviously a skeptic can go. She was suffering from some sort of mental illness. All that stuff, right? It's possible. But in the world of paranormal, we're going to wear our conspiracy caps and look at this as what it's being said to be. It's a demonic possession. 
of a young woman. Now, why it chose her? What's interesting is it seems like she was targeted. Some of the stuff, some of the blanks we have to fill in. Who bewitched her in the first place? I don't think it was the Jin was just floating around like someone, maybe a jealous rival or whatever, targeted her, but she was the one that it was coming after. That's fascinating. But what I love about the story, Badjoon, when he sent it over, he posted it on the Discord, he added this, and, and we're going to wrap it up like this, and what a crazy possibility. Badjoon says, quote, the poster, meaning Madri guy on Twitter, the poster explains that while a lot of people were surprised the Jin was Jewish, they're using the word Jown, but just because I still don't know if I know how to pronounce that. The poster explains that while a lot of people were surprised the jinn was Jewish, jinns are like people and have religious affiliations. So that that's an interesting point. We've talked about that before in the podcast. But check this part out, dude. This part is nuts. This next part is nuts. I love doing this show. I'm so glad you guys enjoy listening to it. The poster explains that while a lot of people were surprised the jinn was Jewish, jinn are like people and have religious affiliations, which can be problematic. For example, if the jinn is Muslim, you can't use the Quran to fight it because it would just make him stronger. Dude, that's crazy. That is nuts. And we've talked about this, and even people who are just passing, like, have a passing interest in the paranormal, or just they're out-and-out skeptics, they'll say, like, well, what if the ghost was Jewish, and then you're using the Bible, but he doesn't believe in the Bible, then it wouldn't work. Or vampire, like, why does a crucifix affect a vampire? What if the vampire was Jewish? It's kind of like a joke. It's kind of like a meme. But this is the answer. Like, if you have a... Jewish spirit, a Jewish, a demon who's decided to go down the path of Judaism and it possesses someone in Israel, for example, and you bring a rabbi out to exercise that spirit by reading those verses that that demon believes in. They're like, oh, yeah, no, I love that verse. That verse is what helped me convert to Judaism. What are you talking about? That's awesome. It makes him stronger. Or if you had a Muslim demon and you were reading from the Quran, he's like, oh, no, yeah, thanks, dude. That just made me stronger. Super fascinating. And that does jive with what we know of. It's so interesting because jinn and demon, is it just a translation thing? Is it, it? Are they the same being? Like sometimes it seems like they are. Sometimes it does seem like they are the fallen ones that are meant to deceive us. But jinn seem to have way more self-awareness and way more freedom to do what they want to do. Demons are basically stock characters. Now, we have demons in the Christian theology. What's interesting, so when a lot of times people talk about like the Grand Archbishop of Hell, we have all those creatures like Ball Bareth and Zippy Doo or whatever. There's all sorts of weird ones out there. Gamgee, Gamgee, I think was a donkey, if I remember correctly. We we wrote him around in an episode. We have all the that all came very very late in Christianity, like 15, 14, 15, 16th century, when uh, Catholic monks and Catholic priests were supposedly communicating with demons to write these grand lists of demons. In Protestant religion, none of that stuff is real. None of it. 
Like you will never, you may, because in a couple times in the Old Testament, I'm not going to go on and on about this because I know people hate it when I talk about the Bible. I watch the listenership just plummet. But when you look at the Old Testament, there are very few names of demons mentioned. Moloch is mentioned by name. And Beelzebub, I believe, is mentioned by name. Lucifer. There's even questions if Lucifer and Satan are the same person. Satan technically means adversary, so it's a catch-all term, but Lucifer was an actual being. But there's no sense... We know that like when Jesus showed up, demons were afraid of Jesus. But there's no sense where they actually have any sort of free will or they can make decisions for themselves. They're just lackeys. So that we don't know if the jinn and the demons are a one-for-one comparison. A demon in Christian theology may have zero free will. I've heard a lot of people say that. And that's why they were jealous of humans, because humans had free will. Because that was really the war between Lucifer and God. God loved humans more than the angels. And Lucifer goes, we're your greatest creation. And he's like, no, you're not. They are. That's what really started this whole thing. But to have free will, to rebel against God, you would need to have free will. It's all it's all messy, right? It's all messy. You have to go through all this fascinating stuff. But could a demon decide to follow the works of Jesus Christ? Like truly say, you know what? I think he was a pretty good guy and I actually believe he was the son of God. And if that's the case... If he possessed someone and a priest came out to exorcise that demon from that body, would the Catholic rites of exorcism only make the demon stronger? You go, Jason, well, if he's following the path of Jesus Christ, why would he be possessing people in the first place? I would say there's a lot of Christians that do horrible stuff, right? Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you never sin or you don't thirst for power. You don't do evil things. Tons of people of religion still do evil things against their religion. So I don't know. I mean, it's a fascinating story. It really does make you wonder about the nature of these creatures. Jinn, demons, like what are they? Can they... Do they have the free will to start following religion? See, I've always thought that made me hopeful. That if even they could go, wow, I was wrong. This was the wrong thing for me to do. I'm going to start worshiping God again. There's hope for them. Then there truly is hope for anybody. That's how I always looked at it. But I never thought that it would give them superpowers. (laughs) I never thought that if you had a demon go, you know what? I kind of like this whole Judaism thing. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with these dudes for a while. I didn't think it would make them immune to exorcism from rabbis. It's absolutely fascinating stuff. And Bajun, thank you so much for sending it over. Like I love this type of because it's a theory and a spooky story wrapped in a one. It's something we've never heard of before. We've heard inklings of it. We had that story we covered about the jinn who converted to Islam. We're like, oh, that's cool. There's hope for even the ones who have been thrown down from heaven, from the dark forces. There's hope for them. But again, I didn't think that then they're like super funny. You're like, yeah. And if that's the case, we, t- we did an episode on that too. I said, what if you had a demon from another religion go to a continent where that religion isn't practiced? I thought it would be harder to exercise them, but it turns out it's the inverse. If you had a demon who believed in the religion of that culture, like truly believed in it. They weren't an Easter and Christmas only 
demon. They went to church all the time. Well, could, that's an interesting question, too. Could a demon who followed Christianity go to church? Like, would it be able to walk above consecrated ground? It's fascinating stuff. And what an awesome story to lead into episode 1000. Because it's stuff like this that makes me love doing this show. And it's stuff like this that, honestly, the fact that you guys love listening to it. And we are Dead Rabbit Radio. It just fills me with so much joy and passion for this stuff. I spend a lot of time researching this stuff. But I don't mind it because it's so awesome to share it with you guys. And we are Dead Rabbit Radio. It doesn't exist with just me. Like, what a journey we've been on. And we're just getting started. 100%. Just getting started. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash Radio. TikTok is at Radio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.